Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hey, friends. Guess what we're talking about today? S-E-X. Uh-huh. You heard me right. We're talking about sex. And we're not just talking about any sex. We're talking about the sex talk. Yeah, that thing that you sit down and you talk to your kids about. When do you give the sex talk? At what time is it appropriate? Is there such a thing as giving too much information? What if you don't want to do it at all? Maybe it's too embarrassing. I don't like to talk about sex. It's awkward. And I tell you, all of us as parents need to know and understand how important it is that sex is heard through your lips as you share with your children. Why? Because if they don't hear it from you, they're going to hear it somewhere else. Um, And so don't forget this, friends. Sex was God's idea. God is the one who put sex together. There's nothing wrong with sex. It's a beautiful thing. The Song of Solomon goes into detail in scripture about the intimate beauty of sex. The enemy, of course, perverts it and uses it to hurt us all. And so we're going to talk about how do we start from the beginning? What power do we have as parents to make sure that biblically we're sharing with our children um, what is right? And actually, how do we become the voice they listen to instead of society? Who do I have here but our expert with us, Monica Klein. Thank you, Monica, for coming on. Oh, thank you, Shug. I'm excited to be part of this uh, podcast with you. I'm so glad that you're on our show. And tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into this conversation where uh, you're heralding these topics? Oh, goodness. Well, I have a very unique story. Um, So I actually used to be on the other side of things. And so I am a former comprehensive sex educator trained by both the gay community and Planned Parenthood. Uh, I did that for over 10 years, uh, working with the government on spreading the message of risk reduction. And uh, sometime in that 10 years, I came to Christ and I also had a son and that really changed my life, as you can imagine. And I began to realize through the Holy Spirit's promptings that risk reduction education was actually enabling high risk behavior in these communities and that it was slowly killing these communities and destroying families. And uh, when I finally came to terms with a lot of that, it's kind of a long story, but when I finally came to terms with that, I was, um, I quit. I sat at home wondering how I had been deceived for so long. And God started to show me the history and how I had gotten there. And he showed me the solution. And the solution was really based on something that Planned Parenthood always told me, which was that parents are a barrier to service. Uh, And I started to realize, you know, they, they did everything they could possibly do to keep parents out of the picture. I mean, they do not want family involved at all, unless those families agree with their ideology. And so then I realized that's the key. God created family. God created us male and female. He created marriage. He created sexual intimacy. He created the family. And I realized that's what they're trying to destroy. We take it all the way back to Genesis. And so he just took me on this journey of making me realize 
but because he created that, that was the first institution, the first government really were the parents over their children. They are the first teachers of children. Even today, we are the first teachers of our children. He made me realize this is what's important. We need to take back family. We need to reclaim parenthood. And it does take a family to raise strong children, to build healthy communities and to form a great nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I founded It Takes a Family and have been um, sounding the alarm as well as educating parents to be the leaders in their homes, in their communities, as well as through politics. So that's that's what I do. So our friends can find you at ittakesafamily.org or Monica Klein, and it's C-L-I-N-E dot com. What uh, will they find if they come to your website? Well, they're going to find quite a bit of information. Um, I'm, I'm realizing that even within, what, regardless of whether you're Christian or you're part of the secular um, culture, everyone has believed this lie that kids are going to do it anyway. Uh, that kids are going to be sexually active anyway. And so I really share information on monicacline.com that really demonstrates, okay, so here are the problems that we're facing. And according to the CDC, high rates of STDs, high rates of unplanned pregnancy. The government though, and Planned Parenthood all believe that it means risk reduction. Let those kids stay involved in high risk behavior. And we're just going to help, you know, put a bandaid on it and intervene when they have disease or they become pregnant. Um, I, on the other side of, of basically teaching them, why are we, you know, we teach children, we even teach adults, stop smoking, don't do drugs. We're, we're teaching them to avoid high risk behaviors. But when it comes to sex, we don't say that. Uh, why do enable, you think that is? Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think we can go deeper into that, that it's really uh, a, a targeted effort to really break down family. Uh, family and sex, sexual intimacy is so powerful that if you can hijack that, you can destroy populations of people. Uh, in history, when we see sexual immorality, you know, whether it's the Roman Empire or the Greeks, they fall apart when there's sexual immorality. That's really the key to destroying the family. Um, and so, you know, when I realized that, I knew it was important to start educating the family. And what I have found is that the government or anyone who wants to take the place of a parent, whether they're teaching, um, and this might be controversial for some people, even organizations that teach abstinence, they sometimes believe they're needed because parents refuse to do it. They're not equipped to do it. And so they're going to step in and do it for them. And they're going to try to mandate abstinence education in the schools as well. My take is I'm going to follow what God has taught me. Parents are the primary educators of their children. I will not take that authority from them because God has given them that authority. So instead, I, with It Takes a Family, want to then help parents to become that authority in their, for their children in their homes. I want to help strengthen their ability to do that. So if you're nervous uh, and don't know how to talk to your children about these topics, I will help them do that. Um, you won't find me advocating for me to teach their children because they don't need me. The children don't need me. They're not going to, they're not going to have me in a week. They're not going to have me in three years or five years or even 20 years from now, but they will have their parents. So I really want to strengthen parents so that they can have that lifelong conversation with their children. You know, on your website, it was really fascinating because you did a statistic, uh, the percentage of people that have sex, the percentage that don't have sex, the ones that get married, et cetera. Can you share a little bit about that for our listeners? 
Well, what we're finding is that children are having, are reporting, and they report this through the YRBS, through the CDC, that they are having, that they're not as sexually active as people want to believe that they are. Uh, It's actually decreasing. Uh, But we are seeing that when they're engaged in a high-risk behavior, that they are going to be the highest, um, you know, ages 15 to 24 have the highest incidence of STDs in our country. So that is a problem. Now, the solution isn't to enable them. Uh, There's this belief that by using um, risk reduction or condoms, that they're going to then somehow be safe and they're, and they're not. And actually the human use rates of condoms are actually really low. So we're really giving our children this false belief that they're going to be safe. Um, Also, there's studies that show that most people, even adults, don't consistently use that intervention. They don't, Mm -hmm. they won't use the condom um, as often as, as these other educators want to believe that they do. And so this is why we're seeing these problems. But we're also seeing, Suge, that when children, number one, they cannot, legally, they're not able to consent to sex. So that's number one. So if if it's not legal for a child to, under the age of 17 to consent to sex, why are schools teaching them to have sex? Exactly. That's that doesn't make sense. Point. No, yeah, that, it doesn't not. make sense. So uh-uh. that's number one. They cannot consent. Why can't they consent? Because their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until they're about 24, 25 years old, which means this is why we see, which I think is really wonderful, all these adolescents taking risks, whether it's riding their bike really fast or, you know, they're they're adventurous. Why? A lot of it has to do with their brain development. Um, So they can't, they do not have the capability to make good decisions for themselves, especially when it has to do with uh, driving, which is why we also have age limits on that, um, you know, and and all and everything else. And, And that's why we have this age of consent for children is, you know, they can't consent to sex if they're under 17 because they're not ready to do that mentally, emotionally, or even physically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their bodies are still developing. Young girls are actually at higher risk of getting disease at a young, because they're, they're young and they're still developing. So they actually carry much higher risks. But we also see that when there's studies that show that when people or when children are taught to avoid high risk behaviors, whether it's drugs, smoking, and sex, and they avoid those through adolescence and they choose to then go to higher education and wait until marriage, until having children, they only have a 2% chance of ever living in poverty. In other words, we can also resolve many of our issues with poverty by encouraging our children to abstain from these activities and wait until they're married to have children and they will fare much better. And doesn't that just make sense that that's really what God is teaching us to do as well? <laughs> so many of us want to see the data. Okay, see the data. But the truth is, in the word of God, those are the exact same steps that God has asked us to do. He tells us not to be involved in too much drink. He tells us to wait till marriage to express ourselves and through sexual intimacy. All through Song of Solomon, we see do not arouse or, or awaken love until it so mm-hmm. desires, until it's proper time. Um, so we have this as Christians in the Bible. Um, Many times, you know, parents say, well, I don't want to have this conversation with my kids because it's so graphic. We only think it's graphic because the world has made it graphic. I take them back to the book of Genesis. And how does God teach us about Adam and Eve? 
uh, and their sexual intimacy. He says that Adam knows Eve. And throughout the Bible, we see that. And of course, spiritually, that also means that there's an intimacy there to truly know one another. It wasn't just like code word or code language. It's the, mm-hmm. that there is real intimacy there. And that's very different than treating sex as a recreational activity. I love that. And I think a fear a lot of parents have too is, you know, just like you said, God wasn't graphic. He was very simple. Uh, you know, Adam knew K-N-E-W, Eve, um, in all ways, um, her heart, her soul, her personality. And, you know, Scripture talks about as well um, that a cord of three is not easily broken, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is weave and woven inside of your marriage once you get married. So you've got husband, wife, and, of course, God in that marriage. And God is a perfect timing on these things. Um, you know, we did a show on uh, Love Thy Body, and we talked about, um, you know, the ripping of flesh. And you guys go back to that. It was Nancy Piercy. It was totally powerful. And we just talked about psychologically what it does to your brain when you make love or, or have sex with somebody else out of the act of marriage. And there's a ripping of flesh. And I think we have to remember God had a purpose for sex. It was an intimate and beautiful way to procreate as well. Um, and it's for each other's joy. And it's not to be used outside of that realm of love in a marriage. Um, I love the way that you stated all of the facts. You said if a young person does three things in sequence, graduates, works full-time, waits until married before having children, like you had mentioned, their likelihood of living in poverty as an adult is only 2%. And we have to teach our kids to live in the long run. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's bring it back to the little dude that you're holding in your arms. How old are they when you begin to talk about sex and how do you introduce it? Now, uh, so first of all, I think we need to step back and even evaluate ourselves as moms and dads. What do you believe about sex right now? And does that align with God's word? So before we start talking about how you're going to teach your kids, you need to figure out where's my foundation. Do, am I believing some of the lies from the world? Because if you do, then you're going to teach that to your kids. Great point. Or am I relying on God's word? And then from there, we know we have a proper foundation to start teaching our children. So one of the lies that's out there that uh, was created by the founder of modern day sex education was Alfred Kinsey. Uh, And we, we don't have to get into a lot about who he was, but he was a highly unethical man who did uh, sex studies and, and, and he was a pedophile. But our government accepted his data as truth, and that has actually changed our laws. It's changed the medical community. Uh, it's also changed the psychological community, uh, you know, the APA. And so he is the father of sex education. And I say that because when I worked at this gay organization and at Planned Parenthood, they all hailed Alfred Kinsey as their hero. So he is the father of modern day sex education. And because he was a pedophile, he said that children were sexual from birth. And I, the reason I bring that up is that I've met many Christians who believe that that's true, that children are sexual from birth. Um, and that is really a lie that, that Alfred Kinsey put out there. So just because our children have reproductive organs and just because they discover their fingers and their eyes and other parts of their body does not make them sexual from birth because saying that really leads into his 
ideology and his belief system that children have the right to sexual pleasure at any age. That cannot be our foundation. That is not what God tells us in the Bible. And so we need to make sure that we're coming from the right foundation. And from there, I really tell one, I I really teach parents about obviously anatomy, um, you know, all, all the different stages and things that they do need to know about. But then I tell parents, you need to teach your child at their pace. Not every child is the same. Some children are ready to hear things and they'll ask questions. Others will say, I don't want to know about that. And we need to respect that in each child, which is why I do not advocate for sex education being in public schools or even in your church because it needs to be at the child's pace and only the parent knows what's best for that child. Uh, So for example, when my son was little, he would ask me a question and I would let him know, okay, I'm going to answer this question the best way that I believe you should hear it for your age range, you know, that what's appropriate for you right now. But even, even with that, if I say something that's making you uncomfortable, I want you to let me say that's enough. And I'll stop and we will move on. No questions asked. And at least three times in his life, he actually said, mom, that's enough. And he held up his hands like, that's (laughs) enough. And I knew that that was more than he wanted to know. So we would stop. And then maybe it was six months later, he would ask the question and then he would be ready for the answer then. And so I really allowed him to take his steps and, you know, and I gauged it by what he was ready for. That will not happen in a, in a public situation or in a classroom, whether it's a church or in a school. Um, I've actually heard of uh, teenagers who have fainted because they were shown um, illustrations of body anatomy when they were talking about STDs and it, they were not ready for that uh, and they fainted in class. Um, some people giggle about that, but the truth is that child was not ready for that. So that's what I say to parents. Now, when they're very young, uh, you know, it, it's up to the parent, but I did teach my son his, the proper names of his body. Not that we emphasized it over and over again or anything like that. I just wanted him to know, you know, this is your elbow. This is, you know, this is your body. Um, at some point I started teaching him about privacy. So for example, once I knew that he could take a shower by himself, um, I let him know that it was no longer necessary for me to be there to help him prepare for the shower. Um, He needed help out of the tub. So I would wrap him up in a little towel and get him out of the tub. And then I would leave leave him to take care of himself. Um, I let him know at that time that it was, um, you know, now that this was privacy because he was independent he didn't need me to see him anymore unless he needed me to, because maybe something hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, so when I taught him that privacy, I then said, so if mommy doesn't have the right to see you, then other people don't either. And so he started to understand that. And so I actually did teach my son, no one should talk to you about your private parts, but me. And so that meant No one talks to him about private parts at a family gathering or Mm -hmm. at a church or at a public school, because that was something that he would discuss with me. And do you do any conversation role plays? Like if this happens, this is what you should say, or this is what you should do. I was careful not to do over a whole lot of role playing Mm -hmm. one, because I know comprehensive, my experience with comprehensive sex education is that they do that a lot. Uh, I didn't want to put my son in a position 
where he was becoming fearful. But I would tell him, for example, like in that conversation, um, if someone wants to talk to you about your private parts, whether it's an adult or a peer, know that that's not appropriate. It's not okay. And you can say this, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. and we would then talk about what he could say, how he could respond, what he could do. What about some parents? Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What about some parents that um, have personal pasts that might hinder uh, teaching their children the correct way or God's way? Uh, Let's say they've got a checkered past. How would you encourage those parents? Well, I have a checkered past. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, I'll, I'll be completely transparent. So obviously, because I used to be a comprehensive sex educator before I was with Christ, I, I not only taught comprehensive sex education, I lived it. You know, I had a, I had my son outside of marriage. Um, and so I noticed the look in people's in parents' faces when I'm doing public speaking, and I can tell that look on their face. It says, I can't teach my child this because I didn't do this. And I let them know you're not a hypocrite for teaching your child what you know is right today. Um, That's what parenting is. We learn from our mistakes and then we teach our children the right way because we want their lives to be better. That's not being a hypocrite. Now, I'd be a hypocrite if I was living that way today and teaching them something different. So then as a Christian, we have to evaluate our own behavior as well. Um, But we're not hypocrites for letting our children know Hey, I may not have done it in my son's case. I never lied to him. He knew I had not been married. So, but I also let him know, you know, he understood that that was, there was a painful consequence to that. We were a broken family and he suffered because of that. So it's okay. You're you're not going to share major details about your past. Absolutely not. It's not appropriate, but you're not a hypocrite for teaching your child God's way. Even if you didn't do it perfectly yourself. Was that kind of what you're asking? Yes, it is. And, you know, what I'm thinking, too, is there's so many parents out there that they felt they did the right approach. They taught biblically. They encouraged their children to respect not only their bodies, but other people's bodies, which I think is missing. It seems to be missing in parenting that not enough boys um, are being taught to respect women and not to put the pressure on for that. And then the girls feel pressure to respond because society shows that, you know, you're prude if you don't give out or whatever that situation is. And I think as parents, we can really curb that and change that conversation. Absolutely. Um, And with my son, I taught him modesty, even as a boy. Um, And for example, he developed muscles very, very quickly, probably about seventh grade. He just all of a sudden was very muscular. Um, And I had to teach him how to keep his shirt on because he wanted to take his shirt off at football all the time to show off his muscles. Um, And so I was teaching him modesty. Um, My husband and I, you know, I I got married when my son was nine years old. Um, So, you know, we we made sure to model what, uh, how a man is supposed to treat a woman. And so he started to see that. Mm -hmm. And, And so we had those kind of discussions as well. I did let him know that there were going to be times that girls might not be taught the way he was taught and that they might pressure him into sexual activity. And I reminded him that it, that it was up to him to continue to say no and set those boundaries. And I also let him know, you'll also find that those girls, that might be the first time they've ever been shown respect. Mm -hmm. And that did happen. That did happen in high school. There was a little girl that pressured and pressured and pressured him. Mm -hmm. And at some point she said, I know we're just friends, but is it because I came off too strong? And he Mm -hmm. said, yes. And he let her know, but we can be friends. 
and she may he may have been the only boy who never took advantage of her. Uh, this conversation, we can go on and on and on. Monica Klein, I'm so glad that you came on our show. Would you guys please look her up, find her at monicaklein.com and it takesafamily.org. Monica, we could go on and on. Would you please come back on the show again sometime? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys, my name is Sugbury, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. You know I love you. Hey, ladies, this is Sugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies, and each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony how they received Christ in their life. This is Suge Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.